Hi, welcome to Gomology, a podcast about menswear and clothing, old and new, from a perspective of buying, wearing, evaluating, appreciating and collecting. Today's episode is number 10 in the series, and today we're going to be talking about the environmental aspects of clothes, which fibres we should use, what treatments are good or bad, and I'm joined by Ingun Grimstad-Klepp, Research Professor at the Consumer Research Norway at Oslo Metropolitan University. Ingun works with research on sustainable textiles, clothing, laundry and leisure consumption and has written numerous articles and books on these themes. The relationship between textiles, social and physical characteristics and how these are woven together is at the core of her interest and she loves popular dissemination and new methods. Thank you for joining on the podcast, Ingun. Now, the reason I wanted to invite you was to talk about the environmental impact of clothes. What is the greatest impact? And I thought we could start by talking about fibres. <laughs> yes, everybody wants to talk about fibres. Uh, and I think the reason is that fibres is the thing that you, you, you know something about. It is marked, labelled on the product. Uh, so it is kind of easy thing to discuss. Uh, but it's not the most important thing when it comes to environmental impact. Uh, uh, the most important thing uh, is how long we are using the clothes we buy. Um, that is, uh, that, that is, uh, you know, so much more important than everything else. Uh, and of course, fiber has something to do with how long we are using clothes. Uh, if you are thinking about which stage in the production of clothes that have the most environmental impact, um, this is uh, something that there uh, is different from different uh, fibers and different products, but in general, uh, it is the dyeing and finishing that are the most uh, demanding uh, part of the production. Uh, and dyeing and finishing are very often not discussed, uh, and I guess that's due to that we don't have any access to knowledge about how this is done normally, and it is a lot of difficult words and a lot of difficult process and chemicals involved uh, that we don't want to know about. And immediately it becomes a lot more complex because as you say the fiber in the garment is clearly stated on the label and informed consumers will know that um, cotton uses a lot of water is bad, um, organic cotton uses less water and um, pollutants so it's a little bit better. Uh, linen might be even better and so forth. But then w- when you add that huge black box of a process where things are being dyed and finished, you really don't know anything at all. Yeah, that's true. And also that uh, to produce uh, cotton or wool or linen um, can be done in different uh, uh, ways. Uh, and uh, to improve, uh, we need to do all of them better. Uh, so it's not only a choice between uh, cotton or linen, it's also a choice between cotton and cotton. Uh, and then, but because the production of the fibers has so little uh, percentage of the all, overall uh, environmental impact of the production, these changes are small compared to other changes you can do. Uh, and then, even though you find that, for instance, polyester have less environmental impact than, for instance, cotton, uh, it will not mean that the product necessarily has less environmental impact. And that is because you might like cotton better. And if you have, for instance, a sheet in, in polyester, you will stop using it because you start to sweat at night or something. And then, uh, and then you, throw it away and then it has a lot more environmental impact. Um, so it is, it, the, the fibers are linked to, uh, to the use and the use are so important. And then we have another problem with use and that is uh, that uh, polyester, um, which is the same as plastic, uh, has um, impact that is not counted for in, in the systems as we say and that is uh, microplastic pollution. So microplastic is a problem of the use phase and the use phase is not taken in to this count. Uh, so uh, even though you would find that uh, 
Yes, there is vector persistence and cotton. Uh, that is only true as long as you are not thinking about the use phase and not thinking about the use phase involved spreading of microplastics, which many people will regard as quite important environmental issue. Certainly, um, microplastics hasn't really been very much in the media until quite recently, as far as I've noticed. But now that we hear about it and hear that even in remote uh, remote places up in the mountains in Siberia, they find microplastics in the lakes, you can tell that it is a huge, huge problem and a problem we don't really see the end of yet. Yeah. So when you are talking about environmental impact, uh, it's important to remember that this is a quite uh, a big range of different kinds of impact. It is the use of water, it's use of chemicals, it is it's the use of land, it is the use of, of uh, um, resources, uh, and of course also spreading, for instance, of of, uh, of plastic. So it is uh, different, and um, and uh, but overall the production of fiber is not the most important uh, stage. It is uh, dying and, and, and finishing. And and also the others to make yarn, for instance, and um, and to make the finished product and so on. Would it be right to say that with natural fibers we have a better chance of seeing the environmental impact of creating the fibers versus the synthetic synthetics, where they're based mainly on oil products, but the entire process of creating them is tricky to get a hand on. Yes, uh, and also that it, it, it detail more. more. It, it is a lot of different way of producing wool, for instance. Uh, you can do it, you know, on, uh, uh, on with, with different farm systems, with very different environmental impacts. Uh, it is a bit different with, with the oil because the, the oil as a raw material is, is, uh, is given in a way. Um, it of course differs if it's uh, raw oil or whether it's used uh, plastic, but that is uh, that that is it. When it comes to the regenerated fibers, uh, the cellulose uh, uh, fibers that is not synthetics, but they are man-made. Uh, the processing of it uh, is uh, uh, important. Um, so then again, uh, uh, you can see that it's not the fiber in itself, but it's more how it produced. Um, so both the regenerated fibers and the natural fibers, uh, we have to start to discuss not which fiber, but how to produce them. Uh, and of course, that is uh, very important for cotton. Uh, it is a big fiber, and it's also a very, very big user of not only water, but also chemicals, um, pesticides, herb herbicides, um, and has, you know, had great impact and also the discussion of uh, uh, of the gene manipulated um, uh, cotton which now is so uh, huge um, and also are linked to the problem of using uh, uh, pesticides uh, so here we can see that to improve the cotton production of course in itself is very important um, and the differences between cotton productions are are are, are big I get the impression there are more and more cellulose-based fabrics being made now, um, both from from scratch, as say based on bamboo or or trees, but also in uh, the recycling of old uh, pre-used fabrics. They re-extract the cellulose from them. Is that something yeah, that yeah, that's true. Is good? Yeah, and and uh, uh, it can also be used. Uh, um... Uh, thing from food production or from you know uh, things that are not used in other productions. Uh, so that's a very good thing. Uh, the problem with uh, this uh, area has been that the processing has been demanding both on chemicals and, and water energy. Um, and now it's a lot of research going on to make the process better. Uh, so again, you can see that it's uh, not only the fiber in itself, but it is how it is produced. Uh, and 
uh, the, the, the discussion about it has been again very much uh, concentrated on on the raw materials uh, and then with the bamboo as uh, the one that claims most environmental friendliness um, uh, and that is quite strange because here it is actually possible to use um, uh, resources that are are, are uh, there already you don't need to produce new uh, things you can use things from yes from from other productions uh, or old things in recycling processes so it's different difficult to understand why a um, plant or a tree uh, that you have to produce uh, for this production could be better than than other things uh, and one of the claims here is that the bamboo doesn't need to be watered and that is also very strange because you can make vistas out of uh, Norwegian woods or Swedish or Finnish woods and as you know we don't water it uh, it's only when it's <laughs> higher we are watering it so it's it's strange that people in Norway I mean we know that we don't water the wood so why is it so important that we don't water the the um, the bamboo wood I mean uh, come on it's it's not usual to, to, to water wood. So I think that why bamboo has these, you know, these claims is is it's just that they they don't they 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 choose all the time what to compare with and they indirectly compare the with cotton when they're talking about it, watering. Uh, but cotton is not um regenerated fiber. Uh, on the other side from the cotton production, it is possible to make regenerated fiber out of things that is usable for the for cotton production. So, again, that might be better because we need, uh, in the production, we need to utilize all the resources, not only the, the best part or the, the part that is you know, uh, possible to make nice fiber directly from. Because there are various differences in the natural fibers say linen you are actually using the fibers from the linen stalk um, you're really using the same with um, with cotton you're using natural fibers but in the viscose based fabrics which bamboo is one of you're not actually using the bamboo fibers as they are you're pulping it and extracting the cellulose and making a completely new fiber yeah that's true so that's also why it's called regenerated uh, or man-made fiber. Uh, it is not a fiber, a natural fiber. Uh, and this is the basic division between the fibers. We have the natural fibers, which are plants or uh, animals or something that has produced or part of them. Uh, or it is a synthetic, which, which is uh, from, from uh, you know, the oil production, which is the same as plastic. Or it is this area of regenerated the artificial but not synthetic fibers, uh, and we can see that uh, in the understanding of the old clothes and all fibers, this third uh, area is the one that people tend to not understand. Uh, and and someone thinks it's synthetic, some thinks it's natural, but both are not really correct. And uh, it's a pity that this area has so little. Uh, or the knowledge of it is so little because this area is actually where the, the, the developments are are going on and I think then also that the marketing of this area has been so much confused and confusing and so much greenwashing in it uh, and uh, that makes it even worse for people to understand uh, and that, uh, that makes it difficult to really have an improvement because um, you need not only to develop things that has, uh, you know, are good, but you also need to convince uh, the customers, the market, on it. And then it is already, you know, um, filled with greenwashing. It is difficult to come through with with, with new, uh, with something real and new. So I think here we have um area where improved of knowledge among the consumers actually is very important uh, and I could wish that the, the industry you know just stopped all the greenwashing because it doesn't help it really doesn't help 
this is, this does um, bring up the point of um, when it comes to environment and clothes, uh, the consumer and the maker obviously have two entirely different um, points of view or um, intentions. Uh, as a consumer, you would like to have less environmental impact. You would like to do the right thing, um, take care of the planet and all this, whilst the maker might be talking about, oh, we're very sustainable now and we're going to be zero emissions and carbon neutral and all this. But really, their primary intention is to keep up their profits by selling you more, preferably more clothes than you were buying before, which is a a problem which needs to be addressed. Yeah, it is. And uh, uh, I think that the problem is not that the industry doesn't want to be better. I mean, they they do want to be better, but they don't want it in a way uh, that uh, doesn't make their profits the same. Uh, and then when the business model is based on selling a lot, but earning quite little <laughs> on each item, uh, it is problematic uh, because uh, the thing is that the main problem today is that it is produced a lot more garments than we need, uh, and um, and these garments has uh, has had uh, you know cheaper and cheaper and and worse and worse quality. So it's it's like we need change uh, not only the I mean the environmental impact from each garment. We need to first of all have less less and better uh, and that is a change of direction uh, and then it's not certain uh, that the same uh, companies would be the winners as they are today i mean today the industry is very very dominated by very few and very big companies dominating not only norway or sweden or something but the whole world uh, so it's very very much a concentration of power um, and um, the power that the consumer has is, as I can see, very little. Uh, it's little information on the product. It's a little choice, really. It's very much the same everywhere. Um, and it is an area with very, very strong marketing force. I mean, it's, it's huge. Um, and the marketing is very little about the, the clothes in itself. It's about, you know, everything else than clothing. It is more about, you know, lifestyle or fashion or uh, dreams or whatsoever, but not about uh, if the garment uh, would, would be peeling or wouldn't, or, you know, how long it will last or, yeah, things like uh, important for the consumer uh, to make a good choice. I have noticed in, say, the recent year or so that uh, some of the marketing goes into making you feel good by buying more when they put up boxes outside the shop where you can throw in the garments you no longer need so they will be recycled for you and it gives you a good feeling as you're going to the shop that now I've got rid of some garments so now I will go in and buy some more. Yeah, first of all... Uh... It's not going to be recycled <laughs> because we don't we don't have any recycle from clothes. Uh, we, we do have reuse uh, and uh, we do have downcycling, uh, but post-consumer waste, as it is called, uh, is not easy to recycle into something of uh, high value. So we don't have that. And then second. Uh, it is not the lack of other opportunity to give uh, clothes to reuse or sell it to reuse. Uh, so we don't need the, the companies to, to do this. So um, it is, I think this is also part of the way that uh, the companies try to look green uh, without really changing anything. Um, and they are looking for everything that are, you know, looking green but not really changing uh, their uh, business model or their impact. Um, because um, if they instead have concentrated on making better clothes, uh, that would really be helpful. And then second, of course, stop uh, using marketing uh, as a strategy to 
to uh, to tell stories instead of telling the truth. Right. Uh, when it comes to the actual recycling of clothes, uh, it's my understanding that there really are two problems there. One is that the sheer volume of clothes that are sent for recycling. I know the Norwegian Salvation Army, um, they have a, a, a common place where they receive all their clothes. And I think I heard they get 30 tonnes, 30,000 kilos a day of clothes sent for recycling, which is obviously much, much more than they can send out to their shops and sell and make money. Um, so you've probably got the, the, a major portion of that then goes to uh, post-consumer waste recycling in Eastern Europe. Um, the other problem, I think, which stops you from recycling uh, clothes is that there's no uniform fabric mix, uh, fiber mix in the fabrics. So you've got cotton clothes, you've got synthetic clothes, you've got clothes made of mixes of it. So you can't very easily extract the fibers and reuse them. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's both right and not right what you are saying now. Um, first of all, um, the market for second-hand clothes uh, are global, uh, and from Norway, from the collected uh, clothes in Norway, ninety-seven uh, percent is going to export. Uh, so it's not the Norwegian market. The Norwegian market isn't hardly anything. Uh, the the market is is Africa, East Europe, uh, and so on. Um, so when we are talking about the second-hand clothes market, uh, that's global, uh, and then um, the problem there is the division between rich and poor people on on Earth. Uh, so um, that's uh, so if the rich people are going to have a lot, we need a lot of poor people to have someone to sell it to, um, to say it you know easy. And yeah. then it comes, then the second is the recycling. Uh, of course, this is linked because if you don't have a market for reuse, the clothes have to be recycled. But, uh, the recycling processes that we have today are not, um, uh, are not any good for post consumer waste because post consumer waste are mixed, mixed fibers. Uh, but also mixed with very many other uh, materials like uh, like uh, metal, for instance, zipper uh, uh, is, is often metal. Mm. Um, so you need someone to take the clothes apart, uh, and this is a lot of handwork. And the processes that we do have today are in very, uh, uh, very like um, small scale kind of businesses where it is a lot of. Uh, Main, uh, mainly handwork uh, to do it. It's not uh, industry that is very, you know, big scale or mechanized or, you know. So it is like very easily this industry is overloaded with with the textiles that, that we need or want to be recycled. We don't have the technology, we don't have this infrastructure, we don't have anything to make from it. Uh, so what is done today is that it is mainly materials from the production that are going to recycling, and the products are mainly quite low quality, like you know things to, to wash with or to fill uh, insulation and things like that. So it's it's not like you make new beautiful garments out of it. Of course, the, we have some possibilities. I mean, clean uh, synthetic can be recycled. But then the problem is that it's not clean, it's mixed with something, and then also uh, the cellulose could be, you know, can be um, made uh, to uh, a viscous. But then again, you need to have it clean. So it is a problem here with with the uh, with the this industry that we don't have the technology, um, and also that the, the the amount of clothes are growing and too big um, and, and it will grow now even faster because the EU has decided that uh, clothes and textiles is not going to go to landfill anymore um, uh, so everything should be sorted out and okay sorting, sorting <laughs> out sounds good <laughs> but 
it's only good if you have something to do with it. If it's going to be burned anyway, uh, it doesn't make sense to sort it up. Uh, so we do have, you know, this problem with where to start. And uh, for the last uh, years, it has been a lot of research in this area because it is a problem that we have a huge amount of uh, of of um, waste without any, you know, uh, technology or any use for it. Uh, but I. In my mind, uh, I mean, the solution is simple because if you stop making all these things, then we don't have to recycle it either. Uh, so the problem here is is that it is produced too much, uh, and if you have too much, it doesn't help uh, to resell it or to reuse it because uh, it's too much there also. Um, I mean, if you have enough, you have enough. Uh, so uh, we need to to, to to slow down and to, to have a production that are in line with the demand for clothing. Um, and, and that is a problem. Uh, and I think that um, uh, also because the, the processing here are demanding, it is important that we actually are using it, each item, uh, as best as we can. Um, and that is our, you know, that's the main uh, that's the main way of changing the system. When you say we have to slow down the demand, would you say that's something that the co consumer should take responsibility for, or do you think the makers also should do their part in slowing I demand? <laughs> I think that, uh, first of all, it is the politicians that should do that, um, because um, I think it is a lot of people out there, a lot of consumers, a lot of you listeners, that really like to be a part of a better, uh, uh, you know, way of consuming. Um, but uh, it is difficult because when you go into a store, you don't know whether the jeans would last and serve you one year or ten years. You don't know which of them would be the best one. Uh, and, and that's the problem. Uh, the only, you know, clue you might have is the price, and that is a very bad clue here. So I yeah. think uh, that uh, what we can do uh, is one is uh, uh, is to be more, have more knowledge, uh, and I try to work with that, uh, among other things, to write a book for for all the consumers or all the consumers in Norway because it's in Norwegian. Uh, to be more aware and to also to know more so they are not as easily, you know, uh, cheated on the market. So that is one thing, that is consumer education, if you if you like, to improve the knowledge, to improve the courage and, and self-respect in a way. And then the other part is the consumer rights. Uh, if the rights are uh, stronger, uh, the market will be better uh, if it is, uh, you know, if greenwashing is is uh, not only banned but you know really taken seriously, um, then we can stop. Uh, and if, uh, for instance, the the amount of year you have a right to go back if the garment is broken, if that is uh, longer today, it's two years in Norway, uh, but uh, it is not used because people don't know about it. Uh, if it had been four years and po people had uh, really systematically used it and said, okay, this trouser here, I have had this, this in three years and now it's broken, of course it will not be uh, financially um, a good thing to produce a bad pair of jeans. So, I mean, so the consumer rights could be used much more strategically uh, to make it... Uh, uh, to make the market better and also to improve the, um, um, the situation for the companies that really are producing good clothes. Um, so I think that, I mean, a market doesn't work um, if not it is like a balance on, on, in power between consumers and, and, uh, and, 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 the, and the companies. Um, and today it is a very uh, unfair market because consumers have so little information and also the information that is given is actually you know fake news so um so i will point at the politics 
I think it is a lot of areas here that should have been done. For instance, that the GMO, the, the gene manipulated cotton is not marked as such. I mean, I think it's, uh, and, and that you don't have, you know, information of all the most uh, uh, problematic chemicals on clothing. That's another area. So it's a lot of things here that could have been done uh, to improve the market and improve uh, the, uh, the consumer's possibility of buying the right things, both for themselves and for the planet. So, um, and this will be much more, you know, radical in a way, because to say that it is the consumers that should change, uh, the consumers has changed. Uh, the consumers used to buy clothes for their whole life, uh, you know, and, uh, they used to invest in clothes. It used to be something of value. It used to be something that you could rely on. Uh, uh, and then the market has been been changing and then changed the consumers, especially since the 1980s with, with the fast fashion and the, the lowering of the price and, the, and so on and so on. So it, uh, it is... The, uh, you, you, I mean, in, in environmental discussions, it's all, all often said that you should, you can't ask people to take a bus that doesn't go. Um, and that is the same here. You can't ask people to buy quality if quality uh, is something that is impossible to recognize on the market. Um, and, and that is a political question, not a question about uh, your um, own, uh, you know, morale or something. Uh, of course, we can do better, all of us. But uh, I think also, when I wrote the last book, uh, the uh, Let's Lead, um, it is uh, important for me to to tell that uh, yeah, you can do something, and here is you know the recipe how you can change your own uh, consumption of clothes. But the responsibility is political. I think definitely people would like to um, to take more responsibility and do the right thing. Uh, the problem is, as you have said, that it has been very difficult to know exactly what what is right. Um, yeah. I see a lot of the time it's said, oh, but uh, clear out all the clothes you don't use, send them for recycling, which probably isn't really the best way to reuse or recycle those clothes. Um, yeah, it is, you know, it is. It is better than something else, uh, and that is also a problem. That it is, a, you know, it's a complicated thing because the best, the best would be that they, you know, that they were not there in a way. I mean, the best would be that the clothes were <laughs> were still in use by you. Um, the best would be that uh, we, did, we didn't have so much we didn't need or want anymore. Uh, but then, of course, to deliver it, uh, to reuse it, it's much better than to throw it in in in, in the garbage bin. So it is, it is not uh, not the best. <laughs> it's not the worst either. Uh, I think the difference between throwing it in the garbage bin and sending it for recycling is probably quite marginal there compared to um, other ways of using it, like giving it away to someone who would use it or selling it yeah, to yeah, someone who will course, use it or, or keeping it for your own use. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and that I, is quite interesting uh, because uh, the, the system of reuse in, in Norway, uh, it is called ARV, you know, inheritance. Um, and that's, uh, that is something that is uh, very seldom discussed, uh, even though it's more clothes that goes, you know, private to reuse through, uh, uh, either through, you know, through, through friends and family than through, uh, through um, commercial selling and buying. Uh, and now when, when the emphasis or the attention that uh, commercial reuse, the selling and buying of used clothes have so much, you know, attention, uh, it is a question whether this is then coming as um, in, instead of uh, giving it uh, to friends, or if it's coming on top of it, you know, if it is this something that will uh, will uh, change the uh, change how much it is reused, or is it just change that someone is earning money on it? I mean, that's the question, and I haven't seen much research on that. <laughs> I, th I think children's clothes tended to be of better quality before. 
and hence they were easier to uh, to inherit down through the families. Uh, I know from my own grandchildren now that we like to give them good quality wool clothes that then the rest of the grandchildren can use. Um, but I see also that, like for adult clothes, children's clothes have become so cheap now that you just can't you can't really understand how they can be so cheap and still be made and in the shop and they're making a profit. So mm. the quality clearly isn't as good as it could have been. Yeah, it's a big question. Uh, first of all, yes, it is a lot of bad quality out there. Uh, but it's also uh, uh, um, many clothes that are the same and then they are sold with very different prices on. So uh, it's not that everything expensive is better. Uh, and that makes it more difficult to find quality uh, in a way. Um, and then uh, clothes being better before, yes, uh, also because they were produced differently. Um, so uh, it's lots of things that has changed. And um, uh, you have clothes that are both technically uh, strong and also socially durable. Um, is a very good thing because the clothes then uh, can be worn uh, for a long time. They have a higher uh, value on the second-hand market uh, or uh, to inherit. Uh, and also they are worthwhile um, uh, repairing. So it's a lot of good things with better clothing. So we need a system that uh, actually promotes better clothes. How do you think um, sort of vintage and secondhand clothing compared to new clothing today? Is, um, there has been a... a a movement or an idea that going back and buying the second-hand clothes or vintage clothes is more environmentally friendly than going and buying brand new clothes. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Um, the thing we need to do is to buy less new. Uh, to buy less new, you can do either by just buying less new uh, or also buying second-hand. Um, the thing is that if you think about a, uh, a garment that can be used, let me say, a jacket, and it can be used 300 times, it's actually the same if it's one user using it 300 times, uh, or if it's three users each uh, using it 100 times um, each. So it's, mm. uh, so it's not more environmental friendly by selling things, uh, but it's a better way to utilize things that aren't used by the first user. Uh, and that means that if you uh, like new things or you don't want to buy secondhand, it's no problem for you to, uh, to have an environmental friendly uh, um, clothing consumption if you just look, uh, look for things that you really want to use for a long time and use it to the bitter end. Uh, so uh, secondhand uh, is uh, opportunity, and it especially is it an opportunity for all the clothes that can't be used uh, for a very long time from the first user. And that is children's clothing because they are growing, uh, and it is a clothes for special occasion, like for instance, wedding dress, you know, can't be used more than one time, uh, and yeah. of one user to the same thing, um, for, you know, cultural reasons. Um, and then we have a lot of things in between there. Uh, I mean, if you start uh, with that downhill skiing, you need downhill clothes. And then if you stop doing it in the next year, you, you don't need that clothes any, any longer. And then, of course, it's better to find a new user for them uh, or use it to something else by yourself. So secondhand is not uh, the, uh, the only solution. Uh, and it's also quite rare. Uh, in Norway, it is um, zero... Uh, 0.6 garment per person uh, uh, bought secondhand per, per year. I mean, it's nothing, you know, it's it's very, very little. Uh, so it should be very big changes before this actually count for something. Uh, and also it is only part of the clothing consumption that actually this is uh, an, an option. Uh, most people wouldn't like to have socks and underwear and, I know, next to skin clothing, second hand. And that is actually the biggest part of the clothing consumption. So it's 
it's not an option for for most of the clothes. I have a feeling that those that buy secondhand probably buy a lot of secondhand and make up for the shortfall in that the people who don't buy secondhand buy a lot of new. So the 0 0.6 garment per person a year probably means that a lot of people are buying 100, but mm -hmm. others are buying nothing. Yeah, it is actually quite different how much we buy all of us. I mean, someone does hardly buy anything and, and some do buy a lot. So yes, it is a big difference. And this difference is uh, both secondhand and new clothing. And uh, for the people that buy a lot of secondhand, they also buy a lot of new. Uh, for the people that buy a few items of secondhand, it seems that they also buy less new clothes. So it's not a direct link between buying secondhand and buying less new clothes. Um, and very often when secondhand is discussed, it is like secondhand uh, prevents buying new things, uh, but it doesn't. Uh, and that is for more than one reason. Uh, one reason uh, for, 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 for this not being linked so closely together is that most people actually use the money they have. And if you're buying secondhand, it's very cheap and then you can buy more. So it's, you know, you can buy the new things as well because uh, because of the price. Good point. I, I was wondering, um, there is a lot of talk now about chemicals used in clothes, and I know that chemicals have been used in clothes for a number of years, but maybe we weren't as conscious of the chemicals used then. Is that something to be concerned about with regards to second-hand and vintage clothes, or would they be washed out and used away up by now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I uh, And it's difficult to answer. It can be fair from one to another. I mean, most chemicals are washed out, and that is a very bad thing for the environment, because then they are out of our control. Um, and but on the other side, uh, the, the development is also, I mean, it goes slowly, but but it's some sort of development that um, for, uh, make the, the worst one forbidden. Um, so uh, then it will be uh, more chemicals in older things or more harmful chemicals. Uh, uh, and then uh, uh, these chemicals are very often um, changed for something new. Uh, and the new ones can be as dangerous, but they are less uh, proven to be dangerous because it's a long process having uh, chemicals forbidden. Uh, that means that we uh, in newer clothing could have as dangerous things, but we don't know it yet. So uh, the thing is that washed clothes then very often are the safest because uh, uh, in general, um, chemicals will be washed out during use. Uh, also, chemicals that uh, are uh, added to, to, to do a job, for instance, uh, anti-flammable uh, chemicals um, to make them safer, um, or not, take, uh, not um, in light. Um, also, these kind of chemicals that actually are made to stay could be um, washed out or will be washed out if it's washed for a long time. And that's why you, uh, it makes sense to say that old garments are cleaner uh, because they are washed more. Um, and that is, you know, uh, it depends on how you look at what is clean. Um, but uh, it's not guaranteed that new clothes are clean. Uh, they are dirty in, 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 in many, you know, way of looking at dirt. Uh, I did come across the other day something I wanted to mention to you. Um, jeans, denim, there has been a thing now for the past years where you're supposed to buy expensive jeans and wear them for a long time without washing them. Mm. Um, people get really into this and um, over time they build up smell. And I noticed the other day that there was a company marketing new jeans which had an antimicrobial or antibacterial treatment included in them so you could wear them for longer without them smelling that surely can't be a good idea <laughs> no it's a very very bad idea first of all the bacterials are our friends and one of the things that really are threatening the world now is is that uh, these other small friends uh, you know are dying insects and, and, and everything 
So to, to start, you know, fighting all all the uh, living beings surrounding us is really a very, very dangerous path of going. Um, and bacterials, I mean, uh, we are ourselves bacterials. We are, you know, dependent on them. We would die if, if killed all of them inside us. So uh, to, to fight bacterials are really, really dangerous. And uh, one thing that happens if you use a lot of antibacterial uh, treatments is actually that they, you know, get used to it. Uh, and then you have another problem because you can't fight the ones that you really are afraid of. So uh, to use antibacterials in clothing is like, you know, um, it is starting a war you have to lose. Uh, so a very good advice is to stay away from everything that is uh, marked with antibacterial uh, treatments and also stay away from things that are not marked with it, but that you think would contain anyway. Because uh, um, because chemicals aren't... Um, when the producer aren't obliged to mark what they are using, I mean, we don't have a content of uh, what clothes are made of, only the fiber. Um, so you don't necessarily got the information if it's treated or not with that sort of treatment. Um, so you should stay away from when they say they have treated with something like this and when you think they have both. Yes. Uh, when it comes to smell, of course, smell is important. And uh, the smell is very, very different in different fibers. Um, wool smell uh, less than others. Uh, and then the other natural fibers smell less than the synthetics. So if you are concerned smell, uh, use wool or at least other natural fibers. And that is an easy rule. And that will also then give you opportunity to less... Uh, to wash your next-to-skin garments less if they are uh, of wool. And uh, the interesting thing about this wool uh, smelling less is that the industry, or many people, not only the industry, but at least the industry, they think this has to do with uh, uh, with um, with, um, uh, with how uh, um, bacterials are growing in, in the fibers, and that's not true. Uh, so that's why they have used this antibacterial treatment. But it's not true. I mean, wool bacterials uh, enjoy being in wool uh, as uh, in other fibers. So it is not the reason. We don't know the reason. And I think it's quite a good thing that we don't know, because then the industry have no opportunity to <laughs> to copy it and make, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, use uh, chemicals to to, to do the same. It's interesting, though, how long it takes the authorities to catch up on these chemicals, because I noticed that uh, the EU has now banned the use of um, the carbon-8 uh, durable water repellents, which were made by DuPont, and you have a film out now called Dark Water, which deals with how they were poisoning a small town in America. Uh, causing birth defects and cancer. This has been known for, it must be 20 years, that these chemicals were bad. But still, it's 2020, and they're only finally now being banned. So I, I suppose in men, in years to come, we'll see more and more of these chemicals being banned as regulations catch up with what the industry is making. Yeah. The problem here is, is many. Uh, one of them uh, uh, is that it's so many chemicals uh, in clothing. I mean, it's thousands. So it's, you know, it's, it's a huge work of documenting each of them. And the second problem is that when you are, um, uh, when you are banning one, it's easily to replace it with something quite similar, but that's not, you know, been, um, been researched that much yet. So it's, uh, so I, so the, the problem is that you often change to something else that could be as worse, uh, very often not as good when it comes to the performance, what they, you know, are there to do. Um, a good example of that is, is uh, these waterproof uh, jackets uh, or trousers, you know, that is very popular in Norway with all our uh, outdoor activities. Um, uh, these, these kind of treatments make these uh, garments uh, very functional. Uh, they are not, you know, they let the, the the humidity from the body out and they are light and they the water is is kept out and so on and so on and the new chemicals used are 
less efficient, but they might be uh, as uh, uh, dangerous as uh, before. So it's not. It, it is a very uh, time-consuming and work-consuming way of doing it, and uh, I think that it should have been opposite. It should have been that everything you use should be proven not being dangerous, and that is, you know, the opposite way of of uh, making something legal. Today, everything is legal as long as you can't prove it's dangerous. So it's the system is some somewhat wrong because the chemical industry are capable of making you know new new things all the time so it's, it is like a, it's like an endless process of of um, targeting the worst ones so really the regulations will never manage to catch up with the industry as long as the industry it's, doesn't want them to catch seems, up yeah if they are not banning big groups of chemicals instead of you know single out uh, uh, each of them. I mean, working more closely with with, with groups. So it is it is a, a challenge this uh, area uh, of uh, of the chemicals, and it is also an area affecting not only you know the single user or the single industry, the single water near the industry or something like that. It's uh, it's actually. Uh, has uh, affecting all life on Earth. You know, it's underwater, on land, in air. It's everywhere, uh, and we don't have. You know, we have uh, 400 or something uh, chemicals now in our bodies, uh, and that when I was a child, that was 40 or something like. That. So it's you know, it's it's in us. It's not only it's not only outside the place you can isolate and say that, that lake is filled with this or that. It is everywhere in us. Uh, inside the babies when they are born, inside you know, inside the way that we are reproducing, for instance. So it's um, it is a, a huge challenge, and it's both environment and, and health, uh, and it's a lot of um, diseases that has been growing and that are uh, suspected to be caused by this uh, increase in um, in use of uh, uh, chemicals. Good Lord, that is uh, food for thought indeed. Now I yes, see we're, we're about halfway down the list of things I wanted to talk to you about, Ingun, and I see time is uh, is rapidly running out. So I think maybe we should um, call it a day now, and maybe get back again sometime soon. You decide if you the it's your blog and it's your uh, <laughs> it is your ideas. <laughs> so I I think maybe that's a good idea, and you are welcome to call me like. In the end of next week, for instance, that would be... That's great. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ingun, and um, we'll talk again soon. Have a lovely yes, day. We will. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. For Norwegian listeners, I have added um, some extra information in the show notes this week to uh, Ingun's uh, research and uh, the two recent books she's written. Uh, especially the most recent Let Cled covers material we've covered in this podcast. That's all for this episode of Gomology. If you enjoyed this, please do subscribe and I would really appreciate a good rating. Thanks for listening in and see you next time. Mm-hmm.